When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, this is uh, starting Unit 5, so we'll do uh, 5.1 and 5.2 today. Uh, unit 5 overall is political participation, and so basically this is the linkage stuff. So how do me and you as, as individuals get connected to our government when we can't connect with the government directly? So um, it is 20 to 27% of your AP exam, so a, a decent chunk can come from here. Uh, you know, 1, 2, and 5 are the biggest numbers uh, with... Uh, three coming in fourth and then uh, unit four being in last place as far as the size of, of stuff. But anyways, uh, this is all about how do we participate in politics? So let's jump right into it. Um, 5.1 is voting rights and models of voting behavior. So there's two learning objectives here that you need to know. And uh, the first one is describe the voting rights protections in the Constitution and in legislation. So you need to be sure you understand that designation there. You've got some voting protections that have come from the Constitution, specifically amendments, and I'm going to give you those specific amendments in just a second. And then you have some that have come through legislation. All righty. So let's go through the amendments first. The 15th Amendment, most people uh, know the 15th Amendment from the Civil War era. This is the one that's going to give all African-American males the right to vote. Okay. Uh, the 17th Amendment is going to be the direct election of senators. So we used to in years past, uh, and this is a long time ago, but uh, we were not able to pick our senators. The state legislatures would pick our state senators. So we kind of direct, indirectly got to pick because we got to pick our state legislatures and then they would pick those state senators. But uh, we didn't get to directly elect them until the 17th. The 19th is going to allow women, give women the right to vote. The 24th Amendment is going to get rid of poll taxes. And then the 26th Amendment is going to um, give 18-year-olds the right to vote. Okay. Now, the big thing here about all of these is that it expands the amount of people that are able to vote. All right. Think about it. The 15th Amendment, that's going to expand the electorate because now all African-American males are going to be able to vote. That expands the number of people that can vote. The 17th Amendment doesn't directly affect the electorate, but it does give us more choices as the electorate. So now we get to pick more people directly. The 19th Amendment gives women the right to vote. Once again, expands. The 24th Amendment is going to get rid of the poll tax. And so it gets rid of the barriers and it makes more, more people able to vote. And the 26th Amendment lowers the voting age to 18. So that's going to give people more. That's going to put more people out there. Okay. Now, some of the um, legislation, uh, the big one is going to be the Voting Rights Act, uh, which is going to expand the electorate. Um, it's going to... Uh, it's going to uh, make it safer and easier for African-Americans to, to register uh, and to vote. Okay. Uh, all right. So the second part of 5.1 is to describe the different models of voting behavior. Uh, and so we've got a couple here. We've got rational choice, retrospective voting, prospective voting, and then party line voting. All right. So these are the, the, the models that you have to be able to explain. <clears throat> so rational choice, that is voting based on what is perceived to be in the citizens' individual interest. So if you go uh, in November of 22, 
So in a couple of months here, if you go to the, the voting booth and you're thinking, what is best for me? And you make a choice based on what you, what's best for you. And, and that's perfectly fine. People do this all the time. This is one of the big ways people vote. Rational choice. That's you. Okay. Hey, how is this person that I'm voting for going to benefit me? How is this person that I'm voting for going to benefit me? So rational choice is making those decisions based on what's best for you in your eyes. Retrospective voting is voting to decide whether the party or candidate in power should be reelected based on the recent past. So retrospective is taking a look at what's what's been going on, what's happened in the last couple of months, what's happened in the last year or so, and do I think that's good or bad? And if you take a look at what's going on, you're like, I don't really like that. And then maybe you vote for the other party. That's retrospective. Prospective voting is voting based on predictions of how a party or candidate will perform in the future. So if I'm using a perspective, then I go to the, the, the booth and I'm thinking, hey, this person, this party is going to do these good things because they've said that this is what they're going to do. This is their plan. And it's going to be great for us. It's going to be great for the country. I'm voting for them. That's perspective. So, so far, rational choice is doing what's best for you. Retrospective is taking a look at the recent past. Perspective is taking a look at the future and trying to decide who's going to do the most for you. Party line is the easiest. That is just you go and you look for the name, but not their name, the party name. So if you see a Republican by their name, I'm voting for them. If you see a Democrat, I'm voting for them. That's party line. All right. Okay, going on to 5.2, voter turnout. The learning objective is to explain the roles that individual choice and state laws play in voter turnout in elections. Now, the essential knowledge, there's three things here. We got to understand structural barriers, political efficacy, and demographics, and how they can predict differences in voter turnout in the U.S. And then they give us a couple of things we got to talk about uh, as far as how they affect voter turnout among democracies worldwide. Uh, the next one is demographic characteristics and political efficacy or engagement are used to predict the likelihood of whether an individual will vote. And then the final one is factors influencing voter choice include, and they give us some, some things there. So we'll go through, we'll, we'll unpack all this. All righty. So first off there, the structural barriers, political efficacy, and demographics predicting differences of voter turnout in the U.S. So first off, there are barriers out there, okay? Um, and, you know, there's... It just depends on what you think is a barrier sometimes. Uh, and, and, you know, it's an unfortunate fact that there's there's some things that are barriers for some people, uh, not barriers for others. You know, like back when we only voted on the Tuesday. Well, if you couldn't get off work, if they didn't give you the day off for that, that was a barrier for you. Okay. Um, so it's now nowadays we have, they've tried to stop that by, hey, let's do early voting, mail-in voting. So they've tried to fix that structural barrier, if that makes sense to you. Political efficacy is a key term. This is just a belief that your vote matters, that you are going to play a role in this election uh, and things like that. And then demographics uh, is just all the different potential breakdowns. I mean, we can do it by sex, race, religion, uh, income, education. There's all kinds of things that play into this, and we'll talk about those more in just a second. Now, we do have to compare uh, some of these things. So national versus state-controlled elections. Remember, we have state-controlled elections. The national government does not control our elections, okay? And so every state has different rules in place for the elections, you know, even within the state sometimes, because the counties really control uh, the elections. Uh, you could have big differences versus a national election, which some places have, where it's going to be more uniform. Hey, here's all the, you know, and, and, and if you go from one place to the next in that, in that place, 
and it's a national election, then you, know, you don't have to make any changes you, because everything's the same. Uh, voter registration laws and procedures, once again, it's all different. Okay, every state is different. Um, there might be some similarities, but for the most part, there are all kinds of things uh, that go into registering to vote and then going to vote in the procedures. Um, you know, there was a big to do about Georgia's new new law that was passed uh, last last. Uh, when was it passed? Okay, I'm drawing a blank. It's recent. Okay, Georgia just passed some laws. I think it was last spring that it got passed. Um, but you know, people are making a big deal about it. I don't know yet. I'm waiting to see how our elections go uh, in November. If it's uh, if it looks like there's some barriers and people are not able to vote, uh, then you know we'll be calling it out. Uh, for me, anyways, I know people are already calling it out now, but I haven't seen it in action yet. So uh, my biggest problem with it, and just a side note, personal, sorry to get on a soapbox. My only, my, my main personal problem with it is that it's written in there that the, the state could come in to a county uh, and potentially mess around with some of the votes. So I, I am leery of that, but we'll have to wait and see. Okay, that's just me personally. Uh, voting incentives or penalties or fines. Uh, some places have this, you know, where if you don't go vote, you could face some some penalties. We don't have that here, and that's why we, maybe maybe that's why we have such low, low have such low voter turnout. And then the election type, midterm or presidential. So midterms, the turnout is going to be low in November twenty two. It's just how it is. It's going to be very different from what it was in uh, November of twenty twenty. People don't turn out for the pre for the midterm elections. They turn out for the presidential elections. Now, I think that's a problem because midterm elections to me are just as important, if not more important, because it's Congress. Now, I know there's congressional elections during the presidential term, presidential election, but we need to show out for our congressional elections that are only congressional elections because those are the people that are making laws for us. All right, the next one was demographic characteristics and political efficacy or engagement are used to predict the likelihood of whether an individual will vote. Bottom line here. You can look at all kinds of data and you might get a qualitative question, excuse me, a quantitative question on this stuff. Uh, and it might ask you to look at some of the trends, uh, whether it is based on race, whether, whether it's based on sex, whatever they use. Uh, they can take a look and, and you know, people will profile you. So when it comes to voting, uh, OK, this person is this, so they won't go vote. This person is this, they will go vote. All right. Uh, you're young. 18, you profile not to go vote. Now, does that mean that each and every one of you won't go vote? No, there'll be plenty of you that go out and vote, but there's some of you and some of your peers, maybe not in Gwinnett County, but in other places that won't go vote for whatever reason. So they can use this stuff, demographics, the political advocacy. If, you know, if they come across someone and they're talking to them, yeah, my vote doesn't matter, then they can predict that person probably won't go vote. Because if you have that belief, well, I don't make a difference. I don't matter. My vote doesn't matter. Why should I go vote? You're probably not going to go vote. So they can make decisions on that kind of stuff. Finally, factors influencing voter choice include party identification and ideological orientation, candidate characteristics, contemporary political issues, and then religious beliefs or affiliation, gender, race, ethnicity, and other demographic characteristics. All that stuff there. I'm not going to go through every single one of them. It's just more of the demographic stuff. Okay. Uh, and they can... When I say they, political scientists, uh, political consultants, people like that, that's who that they are in this piece. They can take a look at this and they can decide this person will go vote, this person won't, based on some of this stuff. And, and this stuff will affect you going out and voting. Candidate characteristics, if you don't like any of the politicians that are running, then you might not go vote. 
Okay. And we have plenty of situations where that happens, where the, the characteristics are, are bad for everybody. Alrighty. Uh, the issues, if there's no big issues, if everything's going along just fine, there's no big issues. People might not turn out to vote because I don't have a reason to. Everything's going fine. I'll just keep it like it is. So all those things play a role in uh, you going and voting. All right, guys, that is Unit 5, Topics 5.1 and 5.2. As always, I know you get tired of hearing this, but as always, please reach out to me, however it might be, text, email, social media, come find me in class, whatever you have to do. Make me answer your questions. All right, guys, take care. Bye-bye.